Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise for this morning. We exalt your name. Thank you for gathering us again in your house. Let your word comfort to us with wisdom, with understanding. Let the word bring healing to somebody. Let the word bring deliverance to somebody. I pray that you use me. Use my lips of clay to reach all of us. Let us hear from the corridors of heaven. We seek to hear your voice, Lord. Bless us, O oh God. I stop any work of the enemy. I bind any activity of the enemy. And I declare, Lord, the blood of Jesus is sprinkled upon all we do in Jesus' mighty name. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So one of the things you see here is that he, I mean teaching releases the power of God. Anytime the word of God is coming it's an opportunity for the power of God to be released. And so the, the, the power they needed here was power for healing. So power can also be released for money. Power can also be released. If your battery is dead, the battery can come back to life. So we come to church on Sundays to hear the word of God so that the power of God will be stirred up within us. So domiciled in the word of God is the power of God. And anytime the word of God is coming, it's like a dynamite. And it releases the power of God. So anytime we come to church, whatever it is that you need, maybe maybe healing, it may be deliverance, it may be prosperity, it may be grace you need for wealth, the power of God can fall. So this one, as I'm teaching, the power of God is coming down again in the name of Jesus. So as they got that Pharisees were dead, doctors were there, asking people who were learned in the things of God, they were all sitting there. And the power of God was present to heal them. So as we hear the word of God this morning, whatever power you are looking for, may the Lord release it to you in Jesus' name. Well, I started a, a series last week about um, what I call how to be spiritually effective like Jesus Christ. How to be spiritually effective like Jesus Christ. Now, it is important to, for us to understand that Jesus said so many things, made so many promises, I mean to us, his followers. Now, either these things were true or they are lies. But they are not lies. But if they are true, then many believers have not even done even 1%. If we divide it into 100, many believers have not even done 1% of all that Jesus is expecting us to do in him and through his name. So being born again is not to live a defeated life. It is to live a victorious life. It is to live a life that looks like Jesus Christ. So in John chapter 14 verse 12, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than this shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So Jesus says here that, I mean, the works we heard him do, we heard because we are now reading it. But they had seen him do at that time. He said the same works they will be able to do. And in fact, go ahead to even do greater. 
and he says the reason why they can do greater is that he is going unto the father he's going to sit by the father and what is he going to do there he's going to ensure that all the things he has told us we will do we can't be able to do and one of the things he said to us that will show how spiritually effective we are i believe it is enshrined in mark chapter 16 from verse 15 to the verse number 20. mark chapter 16 reading from the verse number 15 to the verse number 20. i believe that all the things you know prosperity means different things to different people for us on the face of the earth whenever we hear that somebody has prospered we are asking where is the car where is the house where are the shoes where are the bags where are the dresses whenever we hear that somebody is is i mean has prospered in god these are the things we look for but before god his marking scheme is completely different jesus when he was about to leave the earth he says i'll be watching out for these things in my followers in mark chapter 16 reading from the verse number 15 it says go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved he that believeth not he says that person shall be damned and this sign shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them then he said they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover so then after the lord has spoken unto them he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of god as our supervisor now when they say that jesus sat on the right hand of god for many people it means that i mean it's like our chief here is sitting down and there is a, a, a chair at his right right hand side and jesus is sitting there well it could mean that but that's not the only thing it means the main thing it means is that jesus now has assumed a right man position by the side of god and whenever you say that somebody is somebody's a right hand man what it means is that where the person keeps his treasures keeps his gold keeps all his goods this right hand man he knows where it is and he may have the keys to where those treasures are actually hidden so when he says that jesus sat on the right hand of god don't picture a santahini sitting down or a chief sitting down and somebody is sitting at his right hand. he's talking about the place of authority the place of power so after jesus has spoken these things unto them he ascended up into heaven he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of god to supervise to ensure that the very things he had told us we will do we'll be able to do and they went forth and preached everywhere the lord working with them confirming the word with signs following so when they went forth and began to preach they began to lay hands on the sick they began to speak with new tongues they began to cast out devils it says jesus even though he was seated in the heavens he manifested in the form of the holy spirit working with them confirming the word with signs following so listen when we we see you and we say you are very spiritually effective the question we can ask is what are the signs that shows they are being spiritually effective you are being very 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 effective number one you must be preaching preaching the gospel to the sinners preaching the gospel to lost souls preaching the gospel to people who are lost in the world 
Then number two, you should be casting out devils in the name of Jesus. Then another thing you should be doing, you should be speaking with new tongues. Speaking in tongues is a mark of spiritual effectiveness. The next is that you should be taking up serpents. Now that one is very interesting because taking up serpents talks about the works of the devil himself. Because one of the, one of the names of the devil is the serpent. The serpent that be, I mean, he was a serpent in Genesis, but someone said that he became a dragon in the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. And the devil has his ways of working against you. He can work against you through people's gossips, criticisms, accusations, undermining. They do spiritual galamsey under you. People can rise up against you and be talking, and when you hear it, it can your heart but when you become born again whenever the devil releases this deadly venom against you listen you are supposed to hold the serpent and take the serpent and deal with that serpent recently somebody fell into a predicament and um, the person was thinking about maybe committing suicide or something so I said to this person why do you want to commit suicide the reason I want to commit suicide is because of what people will say. Just because of what people will say. Because of shame. Because of the ridicule. Because of uh, mockery. Because of criticisms. Because of accusations. I said you want to do this thing. But you are supposed to take the serpent. So whenever things rise up against you. Human beings. A lot of people in church are even being used by the devil. But they don't know. A lot of people in church. You can be in church and be used by the devil. I can be preaching right now. You frown your face and make your face looking at me. The devil is using you. Once I get intimidated and I'm not able to flow, the devil has used you. You are the, you are the devil in the church that particular Sunday or that particular day. And so you can be in the house of God and demons can be using you. And that's what it means. It says you will take up serpents. In other words, when the devil decides to use human beings against you, it will not work against you. Then he said, if you drink any deadly thing, it says that thing, it should not hurt you. What everybody eats and suffers food poisoning from, when you eat it, no evil shall happen to you because you are a child of God. Nobody can poison you and you will die. Nobody can go to a juju man against you and it will work against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue rising up against you in judgment I declare it is condemned in Jesus name. If you believe shout a bigger amen. Or if you are clapping, clap your hands well. I appreciate God. Then he said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And it was after they began to put these things in practice that Jesus came down working with them, confirming the word with signs following. So you can be in Christ. If you don't put into practice many of these things you have just read, you will say that God is with you, but you can't see him manifesting himself. If you want to see God manifesting himself, go preaching. Go casting out devils. Go laying hands on the sick. Go speaking in tongues. Go taking out serpents. Go drinking deadly poison. Don't go intentionally to drink any deadly poison. If you drink it by mistake, by mistake, whatever is inside, it will work against you in Jesus' name. I remember when I was in the first year or something in the university, many years ago, you know, I ate 
um, gari, no, it wasn't gari, it was spaghetti with shito with a friend of mine. We ate their food around 3 p.m. Sunday afternoon. By Sunday morning, 6 a.m., the brother was gone. They took the shito and they went to do forensic test studies or forensic, forensic tests or whatever. And they found rat, rat poison in the shito. You know, I didn't believe it. The reason I didn't believe it is that I believe that the people who took the shito to the place, they put something inside. But on the other hand also, I also said that, well, if it is truly, I mean, if it's actually true that there was rat poison in the, in the shito, then I saw the power of God at work. I ate poisonous food, but it didn't work against me. May you eat what the poison that kills other people, but it will never kill you in the name of Jesus. May a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but may it never come closer to you in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe, shout a big amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus today. Now, so, so if Jesus says these are the things that will show that we are spiritually effective, which were the very things he did himself, then what are the keys we can use to also be this spiritually effective? So I started using John 11 to speak to us last Sunday. I think we'll read a bit of it today and then I, I, I end up summarizing. We have a lot of activities today. Say amen. John chapter 11. Let's go to John chapter 11. If you have a Bible, let's go there. But if you don't have a Bible, you can read also. John chapter 11. Are you in the chapel? You have gone home. John chapter 11, reading from the verse number 1. The Bible says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Five says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had therefore heard, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still at the same place. Then after he said unto the disciples, Let us go into Judea again. The disciples said unto him, Master, Oh Lord, the Jews of sought to stone thee and goest thou thither again. Jesus answered them. Jesus said unto them, Are there not yet twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not. Why? Because he seeth the light of the world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth. Why? Because the light is not in him. Now, these few verses we have just read shows, uh, shows us very powerful things. So, God or Jesus, he loved Martha, loved Mary, and loved Lazarus. But here was Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. The fact that God loves you does not mean that things will not happen to you in life. The fact that God loves you does not mean that trials will not come your way. The fact that God loves you does not mean that temptations will not come your way. God doesn't tempt any man. But he allows the devil to sometimes tempt us. Because when the devil tempts us, the good that is in us, the word of God that is in us, it is provoked and he helps us to overcome the temptation. Then God can also boast to the devil, this child of mine is truly my child. 
So the fact that God loves you doesn't mean that, I mean, things will not happen. God or Jesus loved Lazarus, but he was right there when Lazarus actually got sick. And Jesus said, I'm going to wait even two days more until Lazarus completely even dies. So the fact that you are going through trials, going through any difficult thing, doesn't mean that God hates you. It's a lie of the devil to make you think that because you are going through a very difficult time, God doesn't love you, God hates you, God despises you, and God has not seen your sacrifices. In Romans chapter 8 verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. So, it's not because maybe God hated Mrs. Vardasiru, that's why he took her away. Not at all. Far from that. Rather, even in death, God even loves you more. So, in verse 38 of that, say Romans 28, it says, I am persuaded. Verse 38 says, I am, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us. Even in sickness, God still loves you. In your difficult times, God still loves you. So the fact that you are going through a difficult time or difficult challenge doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. As a matter of fact, it may be a sign that God truly even loves you and wants to boast about how you bear that particular challenge onto other people around. May your story be an example to other people. May how you come out of your challenges be an example to other people. If you believe, shout a big amen. I think it's a good place to clap your hands together for Jesus. The second thing I want you to see there also is that, listen, listen. You know, the presence of trials doesn't mean that God is not aware. You are not alone in that problem. Will somebody tell the person you are not alone in that problem? Let's, let's continue with it. Verse 11. This thing said he, then after he said unto the disciples, he says, Lazarus, our friend Lazarus, sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him from sleep. Then said the disciples unto him, Lord, or master, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit he spoke of his death, but they thought he has, spo he has spoken of taking rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them, Plainly, Lazarus is dead. But I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent that ye might believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, also called Didymus, meaning twin, all right, unto, the, unto his fellow disciples. He said, let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus was come, the Bible says he found that he had been laying four days already. He had been laying in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nine to Jerusalem. About 15 fellows. That's about three kilometers. So Bethany was close to Jerusalem. So many of the Jews, they came unto Martha and they came unto Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. And the Bible says, Martha, as, as for Mary, she sat still in the house. I want to make a few comments about this one also before we continue. We are reading scripture so far. Now, be careful what you call your problems. Be careful what you call 
your problems. Lazarus was dead, but Jesus did not say Lazarus is dead. Jesus could have said Lazarus is dead, but he didn't say so. He said, our friend Lazarus, Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. The disciples said, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. But Jesus was talking about his death. He was talking about his death. Be careful what you call your problems, what you call the things you go through. Sometimes somebody can look at himself and say, I am wretched. Sometimes somebody can look at himself and say, as for me, I am the poorest of the poor. You shouldn't be careful what you call yourself. And be careful whatever you call the situations and the circumstances you go through. I'm preaching. Wave somebody and tell the person, be careful what you call your problems. Somebody would have gone and described in detail how painful the death of Lazarus actually was to him. But Jesus said, our friend Lazarus is sleeping. I pray for somebody today that God will give you grace to watch your tongue. Somebody say amen. I pray that God will give you grace to do what? To, to watch your tongue. Because whatever you keep confessing is what you are going to have. I pray that you will change your confession and make the right confessions all the time. Receive this grace from God in the mighty name of Jesus. Then also you can follow somebody. The fact that you are following God and you are in God doesn't mean that you have faith. Thomas, after all this time that they had been with Jesus Christ, when Jesus said that, let us go and go and resurrect the guy, Thomas said, let us go and go and die with him. Jesus is going to die with Lazarus. So let's join Jesus to go and die with him. You can be in Christ, but your lack of faith can keep you at one place for a very long time. You need faith. Christianity has not been turned into churchianity. We just go to church. We are part of a church. We sing songs or praises, dance, sing hymns, and then after that, that is it. A lot of people are in church, but their faith level is very low. I pray that you will have a strong faith in God. I pray that God will give you grace that your faith will be strong in God. If you believe, shout a big amen. Why am I? 21. Let's go to 21. Then Martha, then said Martha unto Jesus. He says, Lord, if thou had been here, or my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, he says, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection. That is at the last day. Jesus answered and said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Martha said, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the world. And when she also said, she went and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying unto her, um, The Lord cometh, or Jesus cometh, and calleth unto thee, or calleth for thee. Then the Bible says that when Mary also heard, as soon as she heard it, she arose quickly and came unto him. 30 says, Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was at that place where Martha had met him. Let me make a few comments also about these 10 verses. Now, so, over here also, you see that Jesus now comes to town. And when he comes to town, closer to the town, I mean, Martha comes to meet him. Martha, that is the, the sister of Lazarus, who was dead. And when she, came, when, she came, when she came to Jesus, she says to Jesus, Jesus, I know that if you were to be here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, your brother, you will rise again. 
Martha said, no. That's all right. I know he will rise again, but not today. Maybe in about whatever year's time. When the, I mean, the final day, the last resurrection, that is when my brother is going to rise up again. You can be in God, I'm saying it again, and your faith level is so low, you are not believing God for any mighty work. Whatever is dead in your life, I prophesy, let it come back to life in the name of Jesus. Any marriage that is dying, let it come back to life in Jesus' name. Any business that is dying, may that business come back to life in the name of Jesus. Any body dying of any sickness, may you come back to life in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe, shout a big amen. And clap your hands together for Jesus again. This week, may there be a miracle in your life. This week, may you encounter the goodness of God. You see, you cannot shout amen. This week, may you see the goodness of God. This week, may the Lord visit you mightily. This week, may the hand of the Lord rest upon you mightily. In the mighty name of Jesus. Anything in your life going down, I speak to you to come back to life. In the name of Jesus. If you believe, shout your biggest amen. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about next year. I'm talking about right from today. By the time you are walking out of the chapel today, may your miracle be waiting for you. May a miracle be waiting for you in your house. May a miracle be waiting for you in your business. May a miracle be waiting for you in your office. By the time you get to the office tomorrow, let a miracle be there waiting for you. By the time you get to school tomorrow, let there be a miracle there waiting for you. If you believe, shout a bigger amen. For it is written, I know the thoughts. That I think concerning you. Not thoughts of evil, but thoughts that will bring you peace and give you welfare. Receive welfare from God in Jesus' mighty name. May the Lord take care of you. When somebody tell the person, the Lord is still with you. So Martha didn't believe. Then comes Mary. I think we are reading from verse 31 now. It says, The Jews then, which were with her in the house, which were with Mary in the house. When they saw that she arose hastily and went out, they followed, saying, she goeth to the grave to weep. The Bible says, then Mary, when she was come where he was and saw him, she fell down, or she, yeah, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. So Mary also came saying the same thing that, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, therefore, when he saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which had come with her, the Bible says he groaned in his spirit. He groaned in himself, and he was troubled, and said unto, uh, and said unto them, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. This is the shortest verse in the Bible. So anytime somebody asks you, quote the shortest verse, quote John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Only two words. Is that correct? Jesus he wept. Then the Bible says, then some of the, then said the Jews, he says, behold how he loved him. Equia, God doesn't hate your mother. Kofi, God doesn't hate your mother at all. Rather, a lot of love. You'll be shocked. Prof, alright, God loved her. You, you can't even think about it. The love of God is unimaginable. So he said, behold how he loved her. And some of them said, could not this man, which, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that this man should not have died? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, he came to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. So Jesus issued the command. He said, take it away, the stone. Then Martha, 
the, 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 the sister of him that had, been, that had been dead, she said unto Jesus, Lord, by now he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. Forty, Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Anybody here who will believe God, by the end of this year, you will see the glory of God. You will see the glory of God in your life. You will see the glory of God with your children. You will see the glory of God with your business. You will see the glory of God with your family. You will see the glory of God in your academics. You will see the glory of God in everything you do. If only you will believe. If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Where somebody tell the person you will see the glory of God. Oh, where somebody tell the person you will see the glory of God. I pray for everybody here today. May you see the glory of God. By the end of this June, may you see the glory of God. By the end of July, may you see the glory of God. By the end of the year 2022, may you see the glory of God. Let the glory of God be upon your life, be upon your family, be upon everything you are doing. If you believe, shout a big yes and clap your hands together for Jesus again. So he says, if you would believe, definitely you will see. Once you have faith, whatever you are believing, you will see it. Don't be discouraged about anything. Don't let anything that is not yet in your life make you feel down because you feel that God has denied you. God deals with everybody differently. Everybody's case is different. But there is a day appointed unto everybody. There is a day which everybody calls a one day. Your one day is about to come to you. You will say that you have been struggling for a very long time. But one day, the Lord, he remembered me. Your story is changing very soon in the name of Jesus. If you believe, shout the biggest amen again. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead, you know, was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father... I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people we stand by, I said it. That they might know, that they might believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he lifted up his voice and cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Then he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And upon his face a napkin was bound. Jesus said unto them, Lose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which had come to, Mark, to God, which had come to Mary, when they saw the things which Jesus did, they believed. Some of you don't believe in the miracles of God. Maybe by the time you leave this place, let God do a miracle in your life. Maybe by the end of this week, let God do a miracle in your life. Maybe by the end of this month, let there be a miracle in your business for you to see the glory of God. If you believe, shout a big amen. But the question we started to ask last Sunday was, what made Jesus so effective? What made him so effective? The only miracle of raising the dead, I mean two, that he had done, you know, the people died that same day. The son of the widow of Nain and then the daughter of Jairus. It was a same day miracle. But this one, a day had passed, two days had come, 
three days had come and they were in the fourth day even he himself when he got there and he found that it was four days he was amazed i'm sure god told him that it was going to be three days but when he got there it was now four days what made jesus so effective that listen i don't want you to view yourself as lazarus today who is dead you are not dead at all but see yourself as jesus going to the tomb of lazarus and commanding lazarus that thing which was dead in the house to come forth from there people the church that jesus left behind was not a weak and a beggarly church it was not a defeated church it was a triumphant church it was a church that carried the power of god miracles were happening in the church all the time so james said is any afflicted among you in other words they were not expecting a lot of the people in the church to be afflicted he asked the question again is any sick among you meaning that they were not expecting a lot of sick people in the church and even after god has healed you you can also be used as an instrument of healing other people you know the gospel we have been hearing all the time always puts us in the position of lazarus every day they keep telling us the things that are dead in you they are coming back to life but listen jesus is not looking at you in the position of lazarus because it is written whatsoever is born of god overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith so when god looks down at you he doesn't see a defeated person he doesn't see somebody who is down there he sees an overcomer he sees a victorious warrior he sees a triumphant christian i want you to see yourself today throughout this series see yourself as an agent of change whatever has not been working in your family through you may they begin to work whatever curse has been done in the family through you may that curse be broken whatever evil has been happening around you through you that evil must come to an end there is power within you but you don't know you are an agent of change this is a good to see you you are an agent of change don't see yourself this morning as lazarus at all jesus said the works that i do the same works that the person who believes in me also do so you are the jesus of your family you are the jesus in your area you are the jesus in in, in your school where you are you are the jesus in the office there whatever evil atmosphere is there when you step your foot there that atmosphere must dissipate and go away you are an agent of change and i came to challenge somebody today i pray that you'll be so spiritually effective that demons will be afraid of you sicknesses will be afraid of you no evil in this world shall, shall even be able to afflict you or overcome you if you believe shall i believe but what was it that gave jesus this effectiveness we say somebody is very effective when the person succeeds in the thing he does and the effectiveness we are talking about for believers is not building houses building a house is good it's not owning properties owning them is good but beyond that one we must be spiritually effective we are supposed to be out there laying hands on the sick for them to recover speaking with new tongues taking deadly poisons or taking drinking deadly things and whatever we drink it doesn't hurt us taking up serpents casting out devils what was it that gave jesus this effectiveness that's what we started looking at and the first thing i said to you is that jesus was bold 
Jesus was bold. A lot of Christians are not bold. What does it mean to be bold? To be bold means to dare to do. To dare to do. To try to do. To be bold. It also means to move confidently against a thing, neglecting any instinct that will make you afraid. You move confidently towards a circumstance of life, towards a mountain of life, towards a problem of life. You move against it confidently, neglecting any instinct to be afraid. So, a bold person is different from somebody who is trying to be courageous. A courageous person will act with the fear there, but a bold person doesn't even know that there is fear. He doesn't have that outer of fear at all. That is the kind of boldness I see you having in the name of Jesus. I said, that's the kind of boldness I see you having in the name of Jesus. If you believe, shout a big amen. And I said to you last week, we need boldness in three areas. Number one, towards heaven. Towards heaven. Jesus said in the verse number 41, he says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. He had not even prayed, but he said, I thank you that you have heard me. 42, he said, and I knew that thou hearest me always. I knew that you hear me always. Many believers don't believe that when they pray, God hears them. Many believers don't believe that when they pray, God hears them. Some believe that if they pray in the house, God will not hear. So, they must go to mam, 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 probably, uh, 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 maybe cluster of schools. There is a football park there in the middle at the center where they put the football. They, they believe that if they don't stand there and pray, God is not going to hear their prayer because they prayed there once. They just went for a prayer meeting. They stood there. When they prayed, their prayer was answered. So suddenly his mind or her mind is that if she's not standing there, God is not going to hear her prayer. I pray for people who will be bold in prayer. I pray for people who will be so bold in prayer that when things are happening, you will tell the people, you just wait for me, I am coming, and we will see the glory of God. I pray that you be bold toward heaven. Number two, I said, we need to be bold towards the things of the earth. Many people walking around today walk in fear and timidity and shyness. Many people are not themselves. If I had the opportunity to say the danger of fear or shyness or timidity, you will see that many people are not yourselves whenever you are in the presence of other people. You need boldness. Some of you go to the market. I don't go to the market to buy anything, but if I should go to the market, one of the things about me is that I'm a very powerful negotiator. Till today, today, today. I'm a very powerful negotiator. Even when I go to stores where they have written I mean, they, 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 they fixed price. I still tell them, no, it cannot be. Somebody fix the price. Yeah, you can't say fixed price when somebody has fixed the price. If somebody, if somebody put the fixed price there, I will tell them, go and call the person. I want to talk to the person. But the person who fixed the price, I want to chat with the person and engage with the person. Many people are not bold. So they go to the market. What do you want to buy? I want to buy 10 tomatoes. How much is it? He says, it's 25 cities. He says, can't I pay 24? The person says, madam, if you are not ready to buy, go. Then you are shy. Then you are begging the person. Oh, I was just joking. I was just trying to say, no! No! The market is the market. If the person says, go! You say, madam, you have a bad attitude. I'm going to the next person to go and buy the tea tomatoes. That's all. But if you cannot tell her also, then you tell her, oh, it not be Ghana with day. It not be Ghana with day. Is there anything called fixed price in Ghana? 25 cities. I'll pay 15. 
Après 15. Many people are timid. Children of today will go to school. They are coming to recite a poem. And as they are reciting the poem, they are weaving into their into their into their boxers, their, their panties or whatever they are wearing. And they will be little children, little children. We have raised them in a very timid environment. They don't have any boldness. Those who also have a certain level of boldness is confidence in pride. Confidence in pride is not boldness. Boldness is you are relaxed, you are yourself, you flow, you eat your food the way you want to eat it. You are just relaxed. You can be in your own house, you have cooked your own food. When four people come to visit you and they are sitting there and they are talking to you, you can't eat the food again. Your own food you have cooked in the house. You are not bold. Today I pray for some people who will be bold. I said, I pray for some people who will be very bold. I said, I pray for some people who will be very bold. Some of these things, I wish I had even heard them earlier. Because I had some of them I didn't know. You know, one time I was in class 6, we went for a, a spelling bee. That was my first time. And when we went for the spelling bee, we had qualified for the district level. I went for the local one. I won. Then we went for the district one. When we went for the district one, they were mentioning, they mentioned, I mean, they were I mean, calling things and they were spelling then they got to me in class 6 and they said spell the word punctuality my teacher the coach he got up and he said at this juncture i think that it's okay it's okay with 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 our, with our boys because he had not brought us to this type of words that sound a certain way and you have to think about how to spell it and i said oh sir let me try then i started people were there plenty then I started one, 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 one. By the time I realized I had added the Y, and the quiz master said, correct for three points. Don't clap, don't clap, don't clap. I had it, but I didn't know. Somewhere along the line, I lost it. And many people are here. You are not bold, bold to speak what is in your head. The African culture trains you to be a timid child. The African culture trains you to be a very timid preacher. The African culture trains you to be a very timid father. The African culture trains you to be a very timid mother. You can see your child going the wrong way. You can sit your child, your child down and discipline your child and speak your mind to your child. So our society is crumbling. The world is being destroyed. Children in the church cannot aspire to greater heights. They can't say, we can stand for a quiz for our school. They are so afraid. We have raised them in a very timid environment. In Africa, we call timidity respect. And we call boldness pride. I'll say it again. In Africa, we call timidity respect. And we call boldness pride. But it's not the same. It's not the same. I pray that boldness will be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that we will be very bold in everything we do in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe, shout a big amen. Then number three, I told you that we need boldness towards hell. Towards the devil, towards his demons, towards the cohorts of the devil. We need boldness towards them. Because when Jesus commanded, Lazarus, come forth. It was the devil that heard the voice of Jesus. And opened the prison door. And Lazarus 
he came forth. I pray that when you meet demons, you will not be afraid of them. I pray that when you meet demons, you can be able to speak to the demons and command the demons to go away from you. I pray that somebody here, whenever you find sickness upon somebody, you can command that sickness to leave the person in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive the grace of God today in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe, shout a big amen. amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus. I'm preaching better than you are clapping. Clap your hands together for the Lord. You are not clapping for me. You are appreciating Jesus Christ. What was it that made Jesus so bold? Let me mention a few. Wherever the time stops, you stop. What was it that, that made Jesus so bold? Let me start with uh, some of them. Just some and then we'll go to the last one and then we pray. Revelation. Everybody's after me. Revelation. Oh, shout it again. Revelation. I didn't hear you. Somebody shouted again. Revelation. When God reveals to you what is about to happen, when you face it, you will never be afraid. When it comes, you will never be afraid. Why do I say so? The Bible says in John 11 verse 3, And Jesus, when he heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death. Alright? This sickness is not, is it verse, verse 3? No, verse 4. It says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So Jesus had an inside filler. He had a dream. He had had a vision. Maybe an angel has spoken to him. He had some revelation that Lazarus, his friend, was going to get sick. Then Lazarus will die. Then after, after Lazarus has died, he will go there and resurrect Lazarus. Someone said that, why is it that when people die, we don't pray for them to be resurrected? To tell you the truth, when I was with Mr. Said when she died, that, did, that thought even didn't occur to me to pray for her to come back. Somebody called me and said, why don't you pray? I said, oh, come, let me take you to the mortuary so that you're, you're resurrected. You know, one day I was in Nigeria uh, for a conference. I went on a Tuesday and then on a Wednesday, one of our church members took ill in the church, Alberta. She took ill and she sent me a message that she has just been admitted uh, at um, the hospital, the general hospital. So I prayed with her. And then Thursday, she said, Pastor, I need to see. I said, I'm finishing the conference today, so I'll be back. So we came back Friday. So Friday, she told the doctors, everybody that know that her pastor must come to pray for her. So they sent me a message. She said, I, I need to see you. So I got there in the afternoon around 3 p.m. When I got there, and they took me to the intensive care unit where she was. Then they told me that she had died so many hours ago. Meanwhile, her family members, everybody, they were all outside eating and, 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 and chatting. They didn't know that she was there. But because she had said that her pastor must come, that is why they kept her for me so that I should come. So I came. So I went inside. So I took the cloth off. She was lying there naked. So I called uh, well, two of our pastors also, but I remember Pastor Seram was there. So I, I called him and we went around the body. And we told the nurses, we want to pray. He said, oh, why not? They said, why not? Pray for her to come back to life. So we started. We command you to come, come. Then I heard a voice. My first time. This is the second time actually. I was by a dead body that I heard a voice. Then I heard a voice. And the voice said, if she comes back to life, Will you ensure that she goes to heaven? So I turned and said, ah, Who was that? Nobody. I was even afraid. Because we are even by the dead body too. Some little fear was there. So I said, Who said that? The nurse said, Who said what? I said, Did you say anything? The nurse said, No. I said, Okay. 
I covered the body. I told the pastors, let's go. So they said, why? I said, oh, no, let's go. I will explain. I couldn't say it until we got to Manet Junction here. And I told them that that was the voice I heard. And when I heard that voice, I asked myself, can I guarantee that, that somebody in this world goes to heaven? Will I follow her wherever she goes? Will I know whatever she's doing with her life? I cannot. I cannot. Sometimes we want to do these things so that people will see us that we are powerful. It's not because of the glory of God, but because we want people to know that we are very powerful. That's the truth. So, Jesus, he had a revelation. He had a vision, probably from God, that Lazarus was going to die. The question I want to ask you today is that, do you have visions all the time? Do you have dreams all the time? Does God show you things? When God shows you something and the thing happens, it doesn't put fear inside you. I pray that anybody with spiritual eyes are closed. May your eyes be open today in the name of Jesus. Receive the opening of your spiritual eyes in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive the opening of your spiritual eyes in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe, shout a big amen. Clap your hands together for the Lord. When you have revelation, when you have revelation, why was I preaching yesterday at the funeral with so much whatever, fire and what have you? Because God gave me the word to preach at the funeral. I heard a roar at the mouth of God. Roar at the mouth of God. And when I hear it roar at the mouth of God like that, uh, you, can, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can expect anything. I can shout, I can scream, I can jump, I can do everything in the, pre in the preaching. Because I heard it roar at the mouth of God. That this is what you should say. What he even asked me to say, I didn't even say 10% of it. Just from what I said. Because sometimes at funerals, family members, sometimes we allow demons to use us. We can spend so much time doing every other thing, but when it comes to the word of God, then we are angry. The preacher is preaching for too long. We can be so angry at funerals, you don't even understand where the anger comes from. By the time the, the funeral is over in the evening, all the anger is gone. Sometimes it's Sunday afternoon that the anger goes away. And sometimes in our anger, we can spoil the funeral even before the funeral even ends. Very dangerous. So yesterday as I was preaching, I was very sensitive to anybody that may try to do anything. So I was very, very sensitive to try and end the message quickly and end it, and end it fast. But I think we should all learn from it. We should all learn from it. I'm preaching. Let's all learn from it. When you go for a funeral, you are a family member and a preacher is preaching, allow the preacher to preach. Somebody should be born again from that funeral. That should be our prayer. It shouldn't be that we are in a hurry to just end everything and go. It should be that somebody should be saved. Are we not Christians for Christ's sake? We are Christians. We want people to go to, go to heaven and be born again. So at a funeral, what other more important ceremony can there also be apart from crusades where all your friends can gather for somebody to preach to them for you? So, revelation, it helps us to be bold. I pray that somebody will be working in revelation all the time. Receive the grace to work in revelation all the time. If you believe, shout a bigger amen. It's a good place to clap your hands together for Jesus. Clap your hands together for the Lord. Wave your neighbor and tell your neighbor, my neighbor. I pray you walk in revelation. Tell the person, my neighbor. I pray you walk in revelation. Shout a big Amen. And like I told you yesterday, when I held Mrs. Asiodu's hand that day and I connected to her, I knew that this was it. So when she left, there was total peace in my heart. 
total peace in my heart. You should see me at the mortuary the, the next day. You should see me at the mortuary the next day after they had done the embalming and I got there. And I saw, I told the people that this is the real person. This, they are now seeing the real person, the real body of the person that is gone. There was no fear. There was nothing. Because God shows you. God speaks to you. God lets you know things from within. You can get close to somebody and know something about the person. It is when we lack revelation that fear can grip us. I pray that revelation will be seen in our lives in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe, shout a bigger amen. Today receive the grace to have dreams and visions of the night. May the Lord show you things in the night. May the Lord reveal things unto you in the name of Jesus. If you believe, shout a bigger amen. It's another good place to clap your hands together for Jesus. Revelation. So Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation there is a spirit that gives wisdom and revelation when you have it it opens your mind to things you see things in your mind's eye you have visions in the night you have dreams in the night you see things may we be walking in revelation all the time oh i said may we be walking in revelation all the time May we be walking in revelation all the time. I don't know Bible-believing believers here. May we be walking in revelation all the time. Revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Even if we don't get any other thing and we get only this one key for boldness, our life will never be the same again. I pray that we'll be walking in revelation. I pray that before anything will happen, God will show it to you, patience. I pray that before anything will happen, God will open your eyes to see it. That whenever it happens, you will not be surprised at all. You will not be shaking like a leaf. Nothing will move you. Nothing will shake you in this world. I pray that we will be walking in visions and dreams all the time. In Jesus' mighty name. Don't sleep on me. Somebody shout a big amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus again. The clapping of your hands is just to engage you so you don't sleep. Number two, another thing that can give you boldness is planning. Planning. Jesus had a plan. There was a plan. He was shown him. So he knew that Lazarus was going to get sick. Then when Lazarus gets sick, Lazarus is going to die. And when Lazarus dies, he will take two days where he is. And then after two days where he is, he will take a journey to Bethany. And then when he gets to Bethany, he will go to the house. And when he gets to the house, he's supposed to ask, where have you laid him? When they showed him where they had laid him, covered, he's supposed to tell them, take off the stone. And anybody that challenges you, speak your mind to them and get them out of the way. And after they have taken the stone, command Lazarus to come forth out of the grave. Jesus had a plan. When you have a plan, it gives you boldness. When you plan your life, it gives you boldness. If you are going to sing a song, you are going to lead worship, and you write down the songs you are going to be using to lead the worship, it gives you boldness behind the pulpit. Even when fear tries to grip you, once you have these songs, you can flow. Because sometimes, you can come and stand there. As soon as you look at one person's face, all the songs, it will vanish from your head. So if you don't have any plan, you will be amazed at how the devil will bamboozle you. We must have plans. 
you want to have boldness in this life student you want to have boldness in the day of examination steady 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 very well so that in the day you are going to write the exam you don't need to carry any book along to the examination hall you are bold concerning the exam you are going to write i'm preaching we need to plan we need to plan when you plan and somebody wants to change the plan you say no 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 you cannot change the plan why are you being strong because you planned it you planned it and you are sticking to the plan whenever you plan it gives you boldness jesus jesus had a plan and he followed the plan through if jesus were not to be bold eh, martha would have eliminated him mary would have finished him his own disciples thomas thomas the twin thomas said ah my fellow disciples pedro yohani and go let us go and go and die with jesus jesus is going to die with lazarus let us all go and go and die in the grave together yeah and jesus heard these words he heard these words but it didn't break his spirit because there was a plan when you have a plan it makes you bold if you don't have a plan it makes you timid but once you have a plan it brings boldness so let's say there is going to be a function today and then you are the one going to read the first scripture reading you must sit in your room and imagine yourself sitting at the back walking to the front here standing behind the pulpit when you stand behind the pulpit what is the first word that is going to come out of your mouth what is the first thing that is going to come out of your mouth and you you have you must have all these things in your head it brings boldness it causes the river of boldness to rise up within you have a plan with somebody again tell the person my neighbor have a plan all the time with another person tell the person, my, my, my neighbor have a plan all the time now i'm coming to more serious ones number number three walk in the righteousness consciousness walk in what righteousness consciousness now the bible says in proverbs 28 verse 1 it says the wicked flee when no man pursueth but the righteous they are bold as a lion so the wicked why does he flee when no man is pursuing him because of his guilty conscience because of the evil he knows he has done but why is the righteous still standing there he is standing there bold because he knows he has not done anything wrong and this is one area the devil cra crashes the confidence of a lot of people sometimes since you committed 10 years ago that you have asked god for forgiveness over 10 years ago and god has forgiven you today when you stand there you are praying the devil will come and remind you of that sin if they bring somebody to you and the person has a demon inside him and they ask you to cast out that demon out of the person the devil will come and ask you and come and ask you do you have the audacity to command the demon to go out you the fornicator of 10 years ago and it can crush your confidence but listen when christ died for us was buried resurrected on the third day and stood at the right hand of the throne of god god gave him a garment of righteousness spiritually this garment anybody who becomes born again jesus puts this garment of righteousness on the person so whenever you walk into the presence of god god doesn't see your god doesn't see your sin he doesn't see any evil you have done all that god sees is the righteousness of jesus christ upon your life 
So your sins, your struggles, your weaknesses should not stop you from commanding demons to go away wherever they should go to. I'm preaching on. Walk in that consciousness. You know, we have been taught wrongly. All the time, our mind is that once you, everybody's, everybody has something in, in him. Alright, that is not correct. We all get angry sometimes. We all misbehave all the time. Nobody's perfect. You think I'm perfect? I'm not at all. You can ask my wife. I'm not perfect at all. I'm not perfect at all. I'm always saying sorry. Yesterday I woke up, I slept. I remember I was, I was asleep in the night when she woke me up and I, I'm sorry for all I did today. I'm sorry. Forgive me all my sins. You are forgiving. That's what I had. I don't know. My eyes didn't open for me to see her. But I did things yesterday. So I'm not a perfect person. I'm not perfect at all. But one thing I remember all the time is that Christ, Christ has died for us. Christ has put a jersey on me. Christ has put a uniform on me. That uniform on me is the uniform of righteousness. So once I go to God, once I stand in front of the devil and I remember that I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ, I command that devil with all the energy inside me and that devil must give way. Don't let anybody make you feel that you are the worst sinner in the world. That person himself is also a sinner himself. I'm preaching you. Wave your neighbor and tell your neighbor, my neighbor. Know that you are the righteousness of God. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. No more condemnation. God doesn't condemn you. It is only the devil that condemns you to yourself. Don't listen to the devil. Wait, somebody tell them, my neighbor, don't listen to the devil. Let me close with two more points and I'm done. What's that? How many do you have? Four? Three? Three? Four. Let me give you four. I close. The next one is the Holy Spirit. Everybody say after me, the Holy Spirit. Oh, shout it again, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also called the anointing. You know, one day, Peter and John were on their way going to church and they met a cripple at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. Peter said to the guy, Silver and gold have I not, such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he lifted him up. The man began to leap. He began to walk. And everybody saw him. But after, the Pharisees, the scribes, they called the apostles and they told them, we stop you from using the name of Jesus to do anything. Then the Bible says, they called their company together. They gathered themselves. So that's the last, the, last, the last point, actually, prayer. They gathered themselves. And when they gathered themselves, they began to pray. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 31. In Acts chapter 4, 29 to 31. This was their prayer. It says, now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, that with all boldness, that with all boldness, they might speak your word. And that by stretching forth your hand, signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken together where they were assembled. And the Bible said, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. The coming of the anointing, the coming of the Holy Spirit is the coming of Boldness, and I pray that everybody hearing me today, boldness, the anointing for boldness will come into your heart today in the name of Jesus. Jesus is not the chicken of the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. You cannot be in Christ and have a chicken heart. 
You cannot be in Christ and have a dead chicken's heart. I pray that for everybody that is so fearful, receive the anointing of the Holy Ghost today to be bold in all the things you need to be bold in. Receive this grace from God today in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe, shout yes. I want to end by the word is burning inside my bones. Receive the anointing for boldness. Receive the anointing for boldness. Let this anointing fall upon your children. Let this anointing fall upon everybody around you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Receive the anointing to be bold. When you meet the devil in your dream, may you be bold. In all circumstances, may you be bold. Receive the anointing for boldness in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe, shout yes. Listen, you cannot copy boldness. You cannot copy boldness. You cannot copy it. You can say that when I stand to preach or stand to do anything here, I'll do it like the way pastor has been doing it. You will do like this. But when you do it, you say, mm -mm, it's not working. It's a, mm -mm. I don't know, just simple sound. You start feeling pain inside your heart because you cannot copy boldness. It's an anointing. It's an anointing that comes upon a person and sits upon a person and the person becomes fearless. Receive this anointing today in the mighty name of Jesus to stand for whatever you need to stand for. If you believe, shout, I believe. People, let's stop raising timid children. Let's stop raising timid Christians. We must be bold. Receive the anointing to be bold. And the final point is prayer. Everybody's after me, prayer. Oh, shout, shout it again, prayer. We need to pray for boldness. We need to pray for boldness. We need to pray. So sometimes when you are going for a meeting and you know somebody can intimidate you, you pray for boldness. You know, reading all these books on public speaking, I've seen a number of them. You know, one day one of our guys in church, Paul Akaba, he came to tell me that, Pastor, I have read books on public speaking, public whatever, how to speak properly, how to do whatever. But, uh, Pastor, no, it's not in the books. It's not, it's not about the book. Yeah, he said it's not about the book at all. But I see that you practice all these things when you are preaching. I said, I have not read that book. Even though I read it later, but I said, I have not read them. Because it's the anointing. And you need to pray for it. You need to pray for it. Listen, because if you don't pray for boldness, eh, the devil will use people to intimidate you. You will poo, -poo into your boxer shorts. You need to pray for boldness. Oh. See, don't pray for faith because faith we already have. Don't pray for faith. But for boldness, wake up sometimes in the night. You went for class. You know, I pay school fees to do my master's. I was doing the master's. One day, the lecturer asked the question. He, asked, he threw the question to me. When he threw the question to me, I knew the answer. But I was so afraid. Because bankers were there. Lawyers were there. Architects, different people were there. I was just a pastor. I said, oh my God. My God. So when I started speaking, I was feeling the thing inside my heart. When I left, I said, no. But I paid the school fees. Nobody paid for me. I paid and I came. Why am I so afraid? So I took it out, started to pray. It took a number of years for me to understand what we are even talking about today. But people, rise up to pray. Sometimes when you are going to the market or you are going to meet even a doctor and the doctor is going to be telling you things, pray for boldness to meet that doctor. Other than that, you just go and sit down there, everything they are telling you, you are taking notes. They are giving you diseases and you are writing it in your book as well to carry home. They are giving you diseases. So from all this you have seen, say, you have this condition, then you write it down. From where you have this condition, then you are just writing notes to take home. You need boldness to stand.
stand for your faith, to speak in faith, to flow in faith. I'm preaching. Receive boldness today in the name of Jesus. So sometimes in the night, Pastor Johnson, you are going to pray, you are going to preach. My God! My God! You've got to pray. You've got to pray. You know, yesterday I was going to preach at the funeral. Funeral, you can have a lot of people who are not unbelievers who have gathered together. You can't just get up and go. You have to pray. You have to bind a lot of demons that operate. You have to get up in the night. Maybe a prayer, I will pray for 10 minutes to have the boldness. You may have to pray for two hours, but you must not get tired. Father, I pray for boldness. Father, I pray for boldness by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Somebody come and ask what is happening. I'm praying for boldness. Boldness. You see the way you are quiet because you know what I'm saying is true. Many of you are just walking in fear. You are not bold at all. Book doesn't make anybody bold. No. You see anybody who says he has read a lot of books, that's why they are bold. It's just confidence they are just talking in. Real boldness is not pride. It's not pride. When you see me after preaching, I don't know. Sometimes when you see me in the area and me preaching, don't you see a difference? You are like, ah, but this guy, uh, 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 when he's on the pulpit, is because it's, 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 when I'm on the pulpit, it's a different ball game. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You've got to pray for boldness. Pray for your children for boldness. Pray. Sometimes lay your, lay your children down in front of you. Put your hands on them and pray. Receive the anointing for boldness. May you be bold in class. When they ask you a question, even when it is wrong, you know you say it. I used to admire those in class who always give the wrong answers, but they give it boldly. What does it mean to explore? To explore means to join something to become joint joint. The teacher will say, do you understand what you are saying? He said, yes, yes, sir. Meanwhile, what you are saying is confusing. What he said is confusion. But he said, to join something to become joint joint. That's the meaning to explore. Please stand to your feet and let's pray. <laughs> Receive boldness today in the name of Jesus. I couldn't finish it. If I continue preaching, we won't close. Lift up your two hands to Jesus. And I want you to pray and tell God that God give me boldness by the Holy Spirit. Everybody lift up your voice and begin to pray. Father.